welcome to Mac Gamecast, episode 8, a podcast where we talk all about Mac games and related things. With me today is Ted. How are you doing, Ted? Good. I'm doing good. Great. And Casper, how are you, sir? I'm doing okay. I'm sworn to my neck in work, but I'm pushing through and <laughs> I'm, I'm enjoying it still, so that's well, good. Great. Thank you for making the time to be here. Uh, Sam has still been busy. Lily was going to be here, and then the army sent some saboteurs and... Gave her a bunch of work and stuff so she couldn't be here, um, which is unfortunate. Um, yeah. A fun fact. Outside, uh, I believe, episode one, the episode with her in it is our highest downloaded episode. Coincidence? Mm. Or who knows? Um, that was a really... loves her. Yeah, it was a really long episode where we talked about what kind of gamer. Or I think that was it. Yeah, it was like the hour 45 minute one. Um, most downloaded. Interesting, interesting. So clearly we need Lily back to, like, give our numbers a boost, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so today the main topic is going to be native versus non-native gaming, which is a really interesting thing in the Mac space. It's been around for a very long time. Um, I mean, there's probably, I don't know, like, who was the first person to start tinkering around with emulators or wine or virtual machines or... Um, of course, when Apple switched to Intel chips, boot camp became possible, and that was the sole thing. Um, and, and of course, now, uh, these days, streaming is also fairly popular, whether it's GeForce Now, uh, mostly GeForce Now, but there's also Google Stadia, Amazon's coming out with Luna, uh, there's like Xbox Game Pass, there's all kinds of streaming stuff, so it's a pretty big space. Um, we've talked a lot on the show about Mac gaming in general, state of Mac gaming, etc., and I feel like... Now more than ever, non-native gaming is actually becoming very relevant for a variety of reasons. Um, as we've talked about previously on the show, um, native ports have slowed down, seemingly largely due to COVID. Um, like late 2019 is kind of when last things were coming out and any um, regularity from the big, you know, big AAA stuff. Um, and of course, now with the switch to Apple Silicon, that's been slowed down even more. Um, and we've learned a few interesting facts about game porting lately in Steam and x86 and stuff like that. Um, in terms of your guys's and also just preferences, you know, we've talked about that, I think, on episode two or three. I forget which one, you know, just what kind of games you like to play and how do you like to use your Mac and all kinds of ways. Uh, I would like to define one thing, though, in terms of uh, the discussion, because I think at this point you could claim, well, anything running through Rosetta 2 on an M1 is a non-native game. So I just want to say, I'm, I'm just going to count games that run through Rosetta as native for the purposes of the discussion. Because what I mean is, by non-native is something you actually have to go and configure or pay for a service or, you know, install bootcamp or configure crossover or wine or whatever tinkering you're doing. Um, if you can just download the game and play it on your Mac, I'm considering that native for the purposes of this discussion. I understand technically that may not be true, but I don't want to get tied up with games that actually just run on Mac fine and don't require other further effort to just play them, basically. Right, we can just consider it like software native, right? It runs natively on, on the Mac OS yeah. software platform, but right. it may not be bytecode uh, binary compatible right. uh, directly with the ARM chip, but through Rosetta and the Mac OS software ecosystem that already exists, it's software native. Thank you. Oh, Casper to the rescue. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so what uh, Mr. MacWright put out a cool video recently, um, earlier this week, I think, 
Monday or Tuesday on uh, like why more games aren't coming, like AAA games, like where all the AAA games from one Max or Silicon Max, I think was the title, paraphrasing. Um, and I know, I think maybe we all watched it or a few of us watched it anyway. And he has some contacts with some devs, um, Alvaris, these guys who really are part of Larian Studios, the guys who do Divinity Original Sin and Baldur's Gate 3. Um, I saw a um, Larian dev comment. They're basically just part of the team at this point, but they're the Mac branch of the team. Anyway, he, Mr. Mac writes Stewie, aka Stewie, worked with them to get some info and details. And the interesting thing was... Um, the like to get a native M1 because now of course we're talking about Intel native and M1 or Silicon native two different things at this point um, it can't be done on Steam right now because Steam's forcibly injecting these x86 I don't know DLLs or packages or whatever the word is uh, so that was dynamic a, libraries yeah right the libraries so that was an interesting detail to me I hadn't thought about it even though I had a Silicon Mac for quite a while. Um, so purportedly the only way to get a true, um, Silicon native app is, well, not on Steam, <laughs> the Mac app store, or maybe a standalone download. I guess I have no idea what's going on with Epic. Um, they don't seem to have a lot of Mac ports in terms of nope. like a lot of the games that are for Mac on Steam are also on Epic, but do not have a Mac version, which is pesky. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's interesting. But that was an interesting detail that I learned from that video. Um, and, you know, we're, we're fairly optimistic around here on the future of Mac gaming and Silicon and stuff like that. But from a developer standpoint, there are some hurdles. And we had um, Chris on here and, oh, my goodness, I'm forgetting his name. Who's the last guy we had on who did the visual novels? Titus. Okay. Yes, thank you. I'm terrible. I've even been listening to their Dark Future Dice podcast, which is highly entertaining i definitely recommend it i've been listening to it while i drive it's it's great it's great um and they um he had run into some issues with steam achievements on mac specifically and some oddness like that so there's you know there's these little hurdles for mac devs um so i guess do you remember casper from mr mac Wright's video um was it a valve or apple issue with these libraries or was there no conclusion no, that's that? that's entirely on valve so as long as as soon as Valve updates the Steam dynamically linked libraries, the DLLs or dialips on the Mac, DLL is a Windows term, but it's essentially the same thing, right? So as soon as Valve updates the libraries they ship with Steam um, to have universal versions, uh, and they'll probably also have to do some code changes to, for because the Steam loader loads the game files instead of relying on standard loading mechanisms. So they probably have some, some code there they need to change, but as soon as Valve does that, uh, native Apple Silicon games would be possible through Steam. But as it stands, um, the only way to really get a Apple Silicon native uh, executable on Steam is through a bit of fiddlery where you have an x86 Intel architecture launcher that Steam then launches that you can then launch your Apple Silicon native version. Right. Through. Right. I forgot about that. Thank you for bringing it up. That's a great point. Right. And of course, not everyone's going to want to run around adding an extra launcher to their game yeah. and rah, rah, rah. And some games come and with they, them. I also think that the, if you do that, you actually can't get Steam achievements or there's some Steam integration. Maybe it's just the overlay thing when you click um, right. Shift tab or whatever. Right. You set it up. Yes. But some, some Steam integration things will. Because uh, it's will not decoupled a bit. Right. With this mm-hmm, yep. third-party overlay or third-party launcher, um, 
That's interesting. A lot of games seem to have them inherently. Um, like Feral, and I don't know. Like every game, Feral Interactive Devs has a launcher, and it seems it seems to have like forever, like going back ten years or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I haven't played literally every game they put out, but I have played a substantial <laughs> amount of them. Um, in some cases, I know the launchers are there. Like the Total War games, always seem to have launchers, whether on PC or Mac. Um, so I, you know, I I do want to. I haven't reached out to Feral anytime recently, but I would like to try and get them on. Uh, it'd be very interesting to hear their thoughts on this kind of stuff. You know, um, the intel. Anyway, that's a bit of a tangent. Um, in your guys' experience in the native versus non-native thing, uh, where does it sit for you? Like, Ted, um, I know you've been playing, for example, more Windows games lately with your family and things like that. But, like, um, how how often, I guess, do you use non-native gaming versus native gaming in your, in your like, experience? Um, yeah, I... You know, it, it all depends on <laughs> what hit. Right, like you said, there's very few uh, AAA games that have come up on the on the Mac side. So um, I'll play them, and um, I I think I mean to give you an honest answer, I think it's maybe about fifty fifty right now. I sometimes I'll get into an urge that you know there's like three games I have going on the Windows side and uh two three games on the mac side right now and it you know it depends on what's pulling me in and i'll get like one a couple of days ago i was playing the mac version of metro exodus and i played and i played and I played and um finally you know i finished for the day i guess it was one of those rainy days where i had nothing better to do with myself and uh but then after that, it was like, man, I'm tired. I'll go over to the Windows side for a couple, you know, a couple sessions. And yeah, that's pretty much the way it is. It's about back and forth. And I play, you know, like when I play World of Warcraft, I play the Mac version with a PC friend, which is really cool. And um, but a lot of the games I've been playing with my uh, my other friend, my brother, they're Windows only. And, you know, I can't get a Mac version. For you know, there's not a whole lot of cooperative games out there. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not big into army simulation ones, you know, the military stuff. So yeah. it's more. I'm looking more into the science fiction genre, and most of the ones we've been finding are there's just nothing on the Mac side, which is a real shame. Yeah, I agree. That's a really good genre. Um, how about you, Casper? What's your sort of gaming? You know, how do you feel about this native versus non-native stuff? You know. Well, um, I think that the first priority is to play the games you want to play, and if that involves going to Windows on Boot Camp or some other method of, of playing the game, then I'll do that, right? Um, but if I can stick to Mac OS, I'll do that because it's where I'm doing all my productivity work and it's the environment I've already got loaded up and I can easily multitask between different things. I can listen to Apple music in the the background. If it's a game where I'm not listening to story, like civilization or something. Right. Right. But at the same time, I also have this um, threshold of how much performance difference I'm willing to accept. So I found that at least on, on my setup, Civilization Six has too big a performance delta on macOS versus Windows. 
So I'll actually boot Windows for that game, even though it has a Mac port. Right. But if I run the Mac version, I can play it at like 1080p maybe. If I run the Windows version, I can put everything to Max and play it in 5K and you know get wow. 50, 60 FPS, right? And I guess I that's thought just... A... Hmm. I thought, it's sorry to interject. I thought Aspire had better optimization than that. Um, though I haven't played a Civ game since Civ Five when they sent me a review copy like seven years ago or whatever. <laughs> um, I mean, it, it could be just a factor of my hardware specifically, uh, hmm. and it might run better on, on other hardware. Though I, I have a powerful Mac, but it's it might just be that the. Uh, you know, it's not well optimized for my GPU or something. Mm. I don't mean to divert you, but I I want to make a note to like investigate that. I'm for myself. I'm just yeah. curious. Yeah, I think you and I have very similar hardware, though, so it, it's probably going to run similar for you as it does for me. That's what I'm also curious about. I want to. I'll do that some other time. Um, I, I'm glad um, you. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. But in, in the past, I've also had okay experiences with with Aspire's uh, ports. So it's not, it's not a dig at them or anything. It's just. That port specifically, for me at least, doesn't run very well. So, right, yeah, Absolutely. I'll put Windows for that. Um, also, a fun little side note on that: I've often in the past played Civilization games with my brother, um, and he plays on Windows machines, and I've played on Mac machines. And there is this version discrepancy thing, right? Where often the Mac version it comes out uh, when there's an update a few days, maybe even weeks later, sometimes. Yeah. And you can only have play between the same version of the game, right? right? You know, you can do cross-platform with Windows and Mac OS, but it needs to be the same version of the game itself. Um, so sometimes we can play fine where I'm on Mac OS and he's on Windows. And sometimes when you try and connect to each other, the game will go, oh, version discrepancy, you need to wait on an update. And there is no update because it's not been released on the <laughs> Mac OS side yet. And yeah. that's just annoying, right? And yeah. if I'm on my desktop, my, my iMac, I can just boot into Windows because, well, I've got bootcam installed on that. But I don't run bootcam on my laptop because the SSD isn't that big on it and I don't want to log around an extra SSD. And I need macOS on it for my work and I just, right. I just don't want to carry Windows around on it. So yeah. It's kind of annoying when I take my laptop to my brothers and go, oh, let's play Civilization. It's like, oh, version screens. <laughs> yeah version version mismatch um i ran that's into the, that that's the wording yeah. yeah i ran into that a fair amount back in the day with borderlands 2 also by aspire right um and to right. their credit they did you know i think the mac version was out like two weeks after the pc one it was very quick like they were they were bringing games out pretty snappily um mm-hmm. compared to feral back then who was doing them often several months or even years later um so that was cool but same thing i had a few PC friends and you know Mac friends from the Inside Mac Games forums or whatever, but every now and then, or at some point, I think I was trying to play with some just random people and, you know, version mismatch, version mismatch. The same thing like you, a uh, buddy of mine at the time had a PC laptop. He had like a Mac desktop PC laptop, but hey, we come by, we were big Borderlands fans. We got into Borderlands 1 together back when it came out and everything. Same thing. Oh, we sit down to play and like version mismatch and we're like, ah, you know, um, Back then, I don't think I had boot camp loaded up or whatever, so we just had to, like, okay, let's play something else. Um, it seems to be better these days, but still certain some games for sure. Um, and I think this is an interesting segue into something like the streaming um, market, as it were. Um, 
by by which I mean, rather than downloading and installing and playing a game on either Windows or Mac OS, you're using a streaming service to simply log in, click on the game you want to play, and load it up and have it stream. So all you need there basically is a good internet connection. Uh, I think 50 Mbps is recommended or higher. It can go as low as 25, but you get less uh, performance or less quality. Um, so the longest one I've been using is GeForce Now, NVIDIA's GeForce Now, or GFN for short. Um, I mean, I've been using it for like the last three or four years. It was in beta for a long time, uh, and it was just free. It was just in beta. And then they released it, and of course, they started charging for it. Um, if you were a beta user, they charge you $5 a month. Um, but if you're not, I think it's 10 or 12 a month or something. I think it's still a good deal either way. Um, uh, mostly because how GeForce Now works is just an app, or now they have a web browser version, which I haven't tried, but I've heard good things. And it uses your existing games libraries. It's not like Google Stadia or the old OnLive service where you had to purchase the games separately and they exist only in the cloud and you can't, there's no, you can't do anything with them. So what I like a lot about GeForce Now is it uses all your existing game libraries on Steam or Epic um, or Ubisoft Connect or whatever. It doesn't, it doesn't allow any game ever. When they were in beta, they were testing literally like any game ever, which was interesting. You could just load up a version of Steam and download whatever you wanted and try to play it. In some cases it wouldn't work, but in many cases it would. But then once the game, uh, once they came out of beta, all these publishers complained, and a lot of games were pulled, like all of uh, Blizzard's games were pulled, uh, Blizzard Activision specifically. Um, what else? I don't know. A bunch of Total Wars, and all of, and Bethesda's entire catalog was pulled, which is actually pretty annoying. So there was a lot of games lost, lost, um, from the service, but there's still thousands available, including many popular ones. Um, you know, you can go play Destiny 2 or Fortnite or, or whatever, all kinds of things. Um but I've been very impressed with this service, not just from a non-native standpoint. I find it also a matter of convenience. Like I'm playing back when the service had more support. I was playing uh, Total War 2 at the time um, on my iMac. And I would go visit my sister on the weekend. She would go to bed early. I would play some games. And um, instead of trying, and it was just a puny MacBook Air. It couldn't run Total War. It would die. But I could just, she had good internet. I could just load up GeForce Now. And um, in most cases, the... Cloud saves work flawlessly, so you can just boot it up and play what you want. Even cooler, it also saves any and all mods you have enabled. Then I had a very heavily modded version of Total War going on, so I was just able to boot up GFN on my puny MacBook Air and just instantly load my save file right into my campaign, all my mods. So it's like really darn cool, actually, as a service. So, Or even um, sometimes I'm back when I actually had more of a live Discord uh, live active discord server in terms of gaming friends sometimes someone would want to play something i didn't have installed and i didn't want to wait and download 30 gigs 50 gigs whatever hey guess what it's available on the streaming service i just whip it up and play just just like that you know takes a minute or whatever has to, it is like a brief configuration the first time you load it and ta-da you're in uh so about the mods you said there um I assume that only works for Steam Workshop mods and not... Yes, correct. Yeah. I was going to clarify that. Uh, additionally, it seems, although maybe a listener who uses the service may know and correct me, um, I haven't been able to actually configure the mods through GeForce Now. You have to have them configured locally first on either Mac or Windows, like through the Steam Workshop, and, and you know install them and configure them. Then upon loading GeForce Now, they just seem to work and be there. Um, I haven't been able to load a game and add the mods there because it's all single instance. It's cloud-based. 
and it's just pulling like your local login. You know, you have to log in to whatever so you're using Epic or Steam. Um, just one time and it saves it. Although I guess you could choose to log you out every time, I think, but that's annoying because I have two factor authentication on both. And there actually was a time in the beta. It asked me every single time I wanted to play a game and that was a real hassle. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't do that anymore. Uh, but I found the service to be very reliable in terms of internet quality. Um, there's even, uh, if you don't want to pay for it, you can just use it for free for one hour sessions. Although if it's um, a busy game or a busy time, you may have to wait for a rig to open up. Um, and I have a buddy, the buddy I mentioned to use the PC laptop. Uh, he's used it before, a free version. We were playing some Gloomhaven Digital. Uh, and he's only had ever wait a few minutes to get in. And sometimes it says wait time, like 20 or 30 minutes, but two or three minutes later, he pops up and he's in. Um, side note, I'm kind of rambling about this service and largely praising it because I do think it's very good for a variety of reasons. Uh, even if you pay for it, you don't actually get unlimited time. What you do get is six hour sessions. So if you need like if that bothers you, well, you probably have a problem. Like if you're gaming more than six hours at a time, you should go take take a break, go eat, <laughs> go walk, go do, you know, that's how you like keel over and die. Um yeah, so... <laughs> uh, I, I, well, okay. So I generally agree with that, but there is a little caveat that something I've noticed my brother doing a lot is that he'll leave his PlayStation or whatever running with a game while he leaves it and does other things um, and then just like randomly come back to it and leave it again and things like that. So that might actually be a problem. I mean, yeah, no, it's, like it's true. It's good to bring it up um, because actually if you're inactive for more than five minutes, it actually just closes your session. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Or maybe yeah, it's You can't 10. do uh, games where you AFK for resources and things no, like that. No, no. I mean, if you just come back and like wiggle your mouse, it's fine. But if there's like literally zero, it detects no input for five minutes, it does pop up with like, hey, are you still there? Like it does. Hmm. I've come back before like, oh, I'm going to grab water and a bio break or whatever and come back and it's like popping up at me. I'm like, no, I'm here. I'm here. But every now and then I've come back, yeah, half an hour later, and it's just, it saves your spot exactly where you are. It doesn't, like, just quit the game and lose your progress. Uh, it mm. saves the game first, or, of course, some games are checkpoints, so in which case you revert to a checkpoint. But if the game can be saved, it just saves it there and, boop, closes your session. So some caveats. Um, and there's other services, as long as we're talking about it, um, Google Stadia, Um Similar idea, you know, it's meant to pipe in 1080p. I forgot to talk about that. In most cases, all these services are meant to play games on high settings, sometimes ultra, depending on the game. Um, so that's the benefit of it. You can have an old computer or even a new computer or whatever. You don't want to deal with these. Some games get ludicrously big these days, 100, 200 gigs or whatever. If you don't want to deal yeah. with that or hard drive space or anything, just boop, pop it. You know, as, as long as you're in it, it's good. Pop it up and just stream it. Um Stadia takes a different approach, though, where you have to buy the games on Stadia. They're exclusive to the platform. I don't know what the benefit is other than, like, there's no benefit to the to the gamer, to the user, like you or I, um, other than you have to rebuy your games, and that's pesky. And then, well, anything you play on there is isolated to that Stadia environment. It can't be, you know, on GeForce Now. In most cases, there's occasional problems with the cloud saves. I could play a game first there. Um... Like, I was even playing Borderlands 3 back... Um, I was playing it on Boot Camp when it came out, and I tried it on GeForce Now. It later got pulled, haha, with the Mac version game. But I was able to just use my saves either way. 
back and forth. And I've had that with a lot of games. Um, either which way, either first playing on GeForce Now and then later a Mac version even, and boop, my saves are just there in Steam. But anything with Stadia, like I would never, I would never use it for that reason. Everything's isolated to that environment, um, which is pesky. I will yeah. say quickly, <laughs> I'm rambling a lot about these services. Uh, the quality of Stadia, I found actually be a little better than GeForce Now. And maybe they have some more better dedicated hardware or somehow the games being exclusive are somehow better piped in. I don't really know. Of course, maybe it's just different tech because they're not the same companies. Um, and you can also use Stadia just through a browser. And of course, they have a whole hardware package you can buy. I think it gets piped to your TV and they have its own controller. So it's more of a like console couch setup-y thingy, uh, I guess, is Google Stadia's thing. Um, but consoles aren't that expensive. So... Mm. You, because you not only do you have to pay pay for the games, you have to pay for a monthly subscription on top of that for Stadia. So to me personally, it's a very unattractive option. Um, I'm not much of a console gamer, but if I was going that route, I would just buy a console. <laughs> Didn't Stadia have a free tier as well? Like you still have to bet to buy the games. Isn't there a free tier for the streaming? I'm not sure about that because they've also changed their um, packages and prices a few times. I know they've offered mm-hmm. some free trials, though I don't know if those trials are just permanent. I think they've been Windows, kind of like these free weekends you get on Steam or whatever. Um, right. the, but I think it's cool for a variety of reasons. One, it's, um, yeah, again, it basically, if you're going to play a non-native game, of course, the game has to be supported on the, one of these streaming services because it's not a blanket. Anything and everything playable. A lot of things are. Some things aren't. Um, but it's, yeah, I find it really convenient um, to save downloading games or to play it on a separate lower-end system or if you're traveling and a good net, it can work. Um, the cross-saves mostly work. The mods mostly work in terms of Steam Workshop. Um, so I think it's pretty cool. Um, i played quite a few games on there lately. Not so much. Um, this year I've been played, what, a bunch of, uh, I think Vermintide 2, and I was playing a little, like, Witcher 3, a little Killing Floor 2. Uh, my buddy got big into Apex Legends, so I don't like the game at all, but he, like, bugs me to play. So instead of putting it in boot camp, I just load it up through GFN and, you know, lop in for a few sessions or whatever. So, in what I wonder, to switch the conversation a little bit, although, do you, before I do that, have you guys used any streaming services before, or are you just kind of aware of them in general? No, I've never. <laughs> I mean, I've uh, used GeForce Now for uh, one game. When my last iMac died, I wanted to continue playing Final Fantasy, and <laughs> my laptop couldn't run it, so I just used GeForce Now for that. Um, <laughs> but what I found interesting about that was, well, one thing, um, as you said, you know, it had the cloud save, so it just picked up and continued exactly where it was on my iMac, uh, which is cool. But even though the game ran at like high settings, higher than I had it running on my last iMac as well, I think it looked worse because of compression uh, for the video stream. And I have pretty decent internet. I think it's like 300 megabits or something like that. Right. Um, so it's it's not a network uh, bandwidth problem, at least. Um, but it just it, it didn't look quite as good to me. Yeah, I've. I mean, I'm um, not a visual snobby. Either, yeah, so. sure. No, I I've seen that because um, I follow also the GFN Reddit and some other forums. Uh, apparently, some people complain about that, and it seems to be their distance to a data center. I'm fairly near mm-hmm. one, 
Uh, it's over yeah, just that like, would make sense. It's pretty nearby. And I think in Europe, the data centers are a little more spread out because it's a USA-based company. Um, but it's true. Some games I've had just be like crystal clear, like you couldn't even tell. And other games, it's it, it looks simultaneously looks really good, but also slightly worse, like you were just saying, because of the compression. Um, and occasionally, or if your internet blips, or maybe on GFN blips, you will get like a brief like TV fuzzy on your screen, and then, like, whoop, everything clears up again. Sometimes you get a few seconds of that. So there are caveats to the service, absolutely. It's not a flawless 10 out of 10 must-use. Um, there are some issues, or there could be issues with either your internet or your distance to a data center, because then you have the compression could be worse. Um, but seeing as it's free, uh, and it's very quick to download and just sign up for a quick NVIDIA account, or you may already have one, um, I recommend people check it out if you haven't, because it does because it's just free. You can just you can just use it. And if you were to be um, time yourself or whatever, you could just play in hour sessions and then log out and log back in, <laughs> and keep playing. You know, it, it even it warns you with this little timer at the top of the screen, like your session will end in ten minutes and then five oh. minutes, and then it ticks down like the last minute. So like you have time to stop, save, do whatever. Or oh, I won't go do this long quest. My session's about to be over. I'll, I'll save and log out or whatever. Um, yeah. But seeing as it's free. You know, if you haven't, anyone listening hasn't checked it out or sounds interesting based on what we've talked about it, um, yeah, go go have a peek. Could be worth your time. Something I also think is really cool about it is if you're on a mobile device like a laptop, um, it's going to be a lot lighter on the battery than running games natively. So you're going to have way longer battery life doing a streaming thing like this, which oh, is an advantage to streaming that, you know, might go a bit unnoticed if you just read about it or, or think about it like a... You know, one th- one good thing is you can run games you probably don't have the hardware for, but there's also that battery aspect that you can run them for longer than if you were running them on a on a mobile device like that, even if you could run it. That is a terrific point. Um, you know, yeah. the original, yeah, the original, like the the marketing target market or whatever, I believe was primarily people, not just Mac users. It's also available on PC. And there's plenty of people who don't have mega powerful PCs to run the latest and greatest AAA stuff. Um, it's just a little more prevalent in the Mac space, that's all. Or maybe a lot more, but still, the point is users exist on both sides, and I've seen plenty of PC users in the forums and places also saying, wow, this service is great, and I don't have a high-end Mac, or it's great for friends, or travel, or battery life's a great point. Um, yeah, because, you know, all those nice battery life numbers you get from Apple or whoever, um, none of that, they're all for, like, listening to music or watching Netflix or whatever. Like, that's all they gauge it for. You crank up a heavier game, your battery's going to drain way hey, hey, faster. Way faster. Yeah, yeah so that's a great point. Uh, the last service to mention, seeing as we're talking about it, there's Amazon's Luna, which I had a beta invite for somehow, and it was terrible. I didn't try it more than like five minutes, so I can't recommend that. Um, and I've heard some good things about this Xbox, PC, Game Pass, Xbox, blah, blah. There's Xbox like 10 times in all their titles it trips me up um i think the cloud offering is called x cloud x cloud okay yeah, i think um, um so the game pass i think is for um like you pay a monthly fee or something and then you actually get the games for like download and play locally but the streaming right. service is called x cloud you're I think correct that's how it works. <laughs> i believe you're right um I think they have a client, but that's Windows only. But I believe there's some sort of browser version you can just use, I believe. You can so, use a browser, yeah. But I believe you need a controller 
because it's all console games, Xbox games. Um, so I uh, don't. I from what I've read, I don't believe it's mouse and keyboard compatible. You do need a controller, but apparently it works with whatever X. Well, I assume an Xbox controller, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have no idea if it so, works. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea if it works with like a PS three, four, five, whatever controller on that particular service. I don't know. Uh, I'm not a controller guy. Uh, GFNL supports controllers, and uh, you know, GF is to talk about GFN a little more and praise it. Um, it has some other cool stuff, like um, you can you know press a button or a you know a control G or whatever that it tells you what it is, and it'll clip like the last ten or thirty seconds of your game, like it pre. It's always saving it, basically. And anytime you hit the command, it then, like, clips it. And it has a couple other sort of these, like, save the moment or share the moment features. And, you know, a bunch of peripheral support. And you can go in and adjust the settings. Um, if you have, say, you have a bandwidth cap on your on your internet and you have to worry about limits per month, you can go in and actually change the settings. And it tells you, like, how much data it'll use per hour and stuff like that. And it can be... Um, like data saver or unlimited or whatever it has three or four different options um so that's cool too you can tweak around and there's also i think some experimental toggles for like direct mouse input and usb peripherals and this and that so it's it's not bad at all it's more a little more customizable than you'd think it's not just like click game that's it one last thing and then i will stop talking about gfn but i do like the service this was a review i'd probably give it like a nine out of ten i think it's a really good service but um it auto-configs a lot of games to, like, high or ultra. Every now and then, though, I've noticed, it for some reason, it puts them on, like, medium. And I'm like, well, that's silly. So I just go into the settings, and I change all the settings higher, and the game's fine. It looks... It doesn't, like, downgrade the streaming or something. The game just looks better and still plays at the same FPS. Um, so that's a funny thing. So if you think the game doesn't look as good as it, like, should, based on their what they're claiming, well, just go check the game settings. It might for some reason just be lower and you should be able to just bump them up. So that's something funny I've, I've found. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, yeah. So that's, it yeah, might just be ahead. like roasts in the last, but the way I remember it, I actually think on live, that was what it was called, wasn't it? On live. Yeah. Yep. Um, I think it actually worked better for me, even though on paper it shouldn't have, because I mean, GeForce has way more resources for both hardware and, infrastructure probably but the way i recall it online worked super well and i just i don't feel like i had that good an experience with geforce now uh, but there's nothing i can point to with geforce now and say that didn't work as that, that well because you know it was all a fairly smooth experience but it just there was something about it that didn't feel quite right maybe it was some input lag or uh, something that was just messing in the back of my head without me really being able to say that's the problem right but, yeah no i've I had that experience with one or two games, actually, is when I was trying Diablo 3, because I didn't want to download it. My buddy wanted to play, PC buddy. So I tried it through GFN, and it was actually terrible, and it was weird. I don't know why. It was really, the compression was terrible. It was a kind of laggy and glitchy, and so, I, you know, that was honestly the only bad, bad experience I can point to. And I have a pretty long list of games I've played through GFN over the years. I even have them saved, actually. Played all the... Um, the newer Wolfenstein games, Doom, Vermintide 2, Dishonored, Shadow of War, a couple Assassin's Creed games, uh, Black Ops 4, uh, a couple other things, Control, World War Z. I don't know. It's like, you know, these are all like AAA games for the most part, um, and they ran great. Some I, of those aren't available. I should mention as well for, for full disclosure that I only tried GeForce now during the beta period, and I only played Final Fantasy 15 with it. 
And Final Fantasy XV was one of those not officially supported titles where you you mentioned I just had a Steam instance. And right, right. So, you know, I'm not saying that you should judge GeForce now based on the experience I'm portraying having had with them. No, but it's true. Um, if you go to the forums, some people do, uh, or Reddit or whatever, some people do complain, oh, I'm getting input lag. Oh, uh, the game keeps, like, uh, compressing heavily on me. Like, what's going on? Is it, you know, my internet's stable? And so, you know, your experience, your mileage could vary, basically. I've had a very good experience with it consistently over time, over years, with various games. But I have seen people complain of some semi-regular issues. Um, so basically, you just got to check it out. It is free uh, on the hourly sessions and, and see what you get, basically. Um, but it could be a nice, even if you don't use it heavily, it could just be this nice extra thing you use on the side or jump into a game for an hour where, you know, that you don't want to download or um, there's tons of free-to-play games through Steam you can just check out on there. or Like, in some cases, I just use it as a demo platform. And if I like it enough, I might even then go get a Mac version or even go and get it like the PC version, depending on what the game is, then play it off streaming if I really want to or maybe tinker around with it or whatever. Um, so it's it can basically has a wide variety of uses to the to the streaming service, which is neat. GeForce Now specifically, Stadia, you got to buy the games. And I don't even think it offers demos the way um, OnLive did. Um, which yeah, is I my, really like that about OnLive. That was really nice. My favorite thing about it... We, one of my favorite things about it. The other one was you could just go and um, watch anyone else playing games. And it had this really cool, like, huge grid of just whatever people were playing. You could just click <laughs> or scroll over it, and it just zoop, zooms in, load, 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 ta-da, and you're just spectating them. Um, yeah. It was really cool. It was, like, on live TV. Um, I wish... Uh, it felt cool. It was really cool. I think they were ahead of their too ahead of their time, basically, and didn't... You know, back then, everything was 720p only. Um, could get pretty grainy... Um, and the games were exclusive to on live. You had to have separate, uh, your own versions. I got lucky enough to back when I was writing for inside Mac games, I actually called them up on the phone and was like, Hey, I want to like interview someone. I'm a writer for inside Mac games. And somehow I got a hold of someone on the phone and they're like, Oh, cool. And they, they're like, Hey, do you just want like an all access dev pass? And I'm like, yeah, that would be great. So then I could just <laughs> literally play anything I wanted on on live, um, do some, nice. Just they added it to my account. And then I did a couple of interviews with them um, on the site. And then I tried to review a game, Canyon Lynch 2, actually. Um, and there was a huge uproar from the Inside Mac Games community. I was practically stoned, basically, for doing a non-Mac game review on Inside Mac Games, right? It was oh. like, uh, what do you call it? Heresy. Uh, treachery. It was very unfavorably, <laughs> unfavorably received. Um, but the editor approved it and everything. He's like, sure, let's give it a try. And then he's like, okay, no more of those. <laughs> yeah. But uh, shout out to OnLive, uh, the OG streaming service. Uh, rip them. They went bankrupt or something like a year or two. They started, I think, in 2011 and in 2012 or 13, they were out. But streaming's everywhere now. Um I don't want the whole thing to be about streaming, though. Um, what do you guys think, um, starting with Ted, about non-native gaming in general? Like, uh, again, boot camp or wine or crossover, which he didn't talk about much yet. Streaming, like, do you think all these um, options being available on the Mac hurts, like, developers wanting to port their games to Mac? What do you feel about that? It's a good question. I really, I, I don't really have an opinion on that. Um it always seemed to me that only the top-notch AAA games got ported to the backside. And 
you know, if, you know, if they, I, I really don't know. You know, it's just not one of those things that I'm, I'm, I'm really aware of. I would think that they might think twice about doing a port if they knew a lot of people were, you know, playing, say, using uh, boot camp or something like that, you know, on the Mac side. But I don't know if they would even know that. And right. Uh, typically, I will, you know, if I know a Mac version is going to come out, I would just wait for it anyhow. You know, back before I was retired, I had very limited time to play games. So um, I would, you know, one Mac game came out and I would play it to death <laughs> until I got sick and tired of it or something new came along. And uh, which was which worked really well for me. And, and it was good because I, you know, most of the games that got over were really good. But honestly, I don't know. I, you know, I do see the Apple's cha- constant changing of the rules for their computers which seems to me and this is just my opinion that it would be a deterrent for a developer because you know this game will work now and in the next time apple makes a change like you know, the change we did from the 32 bits or the change we did when we left classic uh, you know or now the change that we've had going to apple silicon you know that means different work and then i'm since i'm not a developer i really don't know what that's involved i mean is it a matter of plugging it into a machine you know a program that they get and spitting out an m1 versus you know the intel version for the mac or is it a lot more complex and i'm sure there's a lot more testing that's involved so that that maybe but i'm not 100 percent sure to be honest yeah, I don't have data, like actual data on that or some like no no devs who have told me anything or anything like that. I'm just curious, yeah, what our opinions are on this basically. Yeah. Uh, what do you what what do you think, Casper? Um uh, first a, a quick little comment on that last part uh, from Seth with the process involved. Um if your code doesn't make any assumptions about the underlying hardware, you can just take your source code, put it into the compiler. That's the program that converts um, source code written for humans like C, C++, Swift, whatever, mm-hmm. into machine code, plug your code into the compiler, and out pops an M1 native version. But some code will make assumptions about the underlying hardware that might not be true on an M1 platform, but is true on an Intel platform, and then you have compatibility issues when you just do that. But for a lot of code, it is just a matter of recompiling. Not all code, but for a lot of code. That's my quick comment on that first. Mm-hmm. Um, but going to the actual question, um, I think we're looking at a bit of a chicken and egg inside of a catch-22. <laughs> because if um, <laughs> if we just imagine a world where people who have Macs um, don't install Bootcamp, like nobody does it. They don't, to play games at least. Um, nobody uses crossover, nobody uses streaming, anything like that. We only play games that come out on the Mac platform natively. Game developers might look at that and go, well, Mac players don't care enough about games, so we're not going to develop the games. On the other hand, if we do all these things, we use crossover, we use bootcamp, we use streaming services extensively to play all our games, the attitude might instead be, oh, 
they play our games anyway, so there's no need for us to give them a native version. <laughs> right. So, you know, it's it's kind of like, the, it might be one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of things, right? Um, right, right. But I, I think point. that the best thing for the ecosystem is to indicate that we are here, that we are an existing community of people who care about games, who also want to use a Mac computer. And where, if that means that we use Bootcamp or whatever, I don't think that hurts uh, the Mac ecosystem for games because I, I think as much as it does that damage of, oh, they don't need a native port, it also indicates that we exist as a community in the first place, the people who care. Yeah, and we're out there looking and buying and playing these kinds of games right. that are common on PC mm-hmm. or certain consoles. Still, there's yeah. some exclusive console games, but a lot of them make their way to PC now. Um, and I think that has more yeah. value than saying we are purists and only play Mac OS native <laughs> games. That might just indicate an, a lack of interest, right? Right. Um, I like. I so, really um, like that. Yeah. I really like how you pose that. Um, I would also agree with you there on what you just said. I think the greater benefit is, yeah, we're here. As we are a community of gamers. Um and yeah, being purist is maybe back in the day worked, maybe like 2000, maybe around like 1999 through 2004. It was kind of like a golden era. There was just heaps of games and all kinds of stuff and tons of AAA stuff came over and all. Anyway, well, then it really changed. So, um, yeah, I don't think it does. Any, it. I was a purist back in the day, but that was just like a random pride thing for no particular reason, just because really. You know, um, and I think that mostly existed in like the Bungie era. It was like, haha, I've got Marathon and haha, I've got Mid <laughs> or um, Ambrosia Software, like Escape Velocity. And oh, but yeah. these games then started getting ported to PC because they were so popular and there was demand. Um, yeah. And these games were cool enough that people were like, hey, we want these games too. Kind of reverse situation. And, you know, then Bungie and Ambrosia and stuff started giving out PC versions of certain games. And of course, now the situation is totally different. But um, that was just like random teenage pride or whatever. Cause I was, what, however old I was back then, 14 or something, 16, whatever. Um, <laughs> so no reason other than because at this point, it's more that, as you were saying, I would prefer to play things on Mac first, but in the end, we're all gamers here and we want to have fun and play the games we want to play or play them with a, whether friends, family, strangers, whoever it is. And, um, the t- the technology is so good these days. There's so many different ways you can play those games natively, non-natively. Um, we didn't talk much about really at all about wine and crossover um, or play on Mac, which I don't even know who makes it some sort of free version of wine. That's a little more put together. Crossover is really cool though, by code weavers, I do want to shout them out um, because I have done some work with like interviews with them way back. Um, they did give me, some access, like a year of free access to crossover. I did play a number of games through it. Um, and they worked surprisingly well. Um, so it's kind of the thing about mad gaming. There's no, um, there's no like one aspect of it that covers everything. Cause like native mad gaming covers a lot, but only so much. If you want to go to streaming covers a lot, but not everything. If you want to go, okay, I guess if you go to boot camp, you can basically play anything, but then, Bootcamp's the most hassle out of all these services to configure and install and reboot and blah, 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 and you need the hardware for it. Um, Crossover is really cool. It's not too hard to configure, though it can be, but there's a huge database on Codeweaver's website of uh, 
basically supported games and people have gone through and tested and rated them and gave them so many uh, i think they rate them by uh like metals like bronze silver gold or whatever basically anything silver will run pretty good with just a few bugs and you'd be surprised at how what might just even run really really well um i mean back then i was playing skyrim if i recall works pretty much flawlessly other than an occasional mouse bug or something um i played a bunch of the before i knew feral was porting them the dawn of war 2 series i played all through crossover i played uh, stalker shadow of chernobyl through crossover um what else uh fear 3 even multiplayer worked like you know surprising amount of at the time they were like high-end triple a games now they're like old hat but um it works with a surprising amount of things, and it's a cool, like, open-source, tight-knit, work-together community. Uh, a lot of people share. They, You can go and, like, I actually found, solved a few bugs with the Dawn of War games I was pretty proud of, and I went and posted them to the forums, and um, some black screen bug I, you know, discovered, and um, they have, what do you, like, community ambassadors. There's, like, this whole scene around crossover and wine. It's a pretty cool community. I'm only, like, scratch the surface of it but um they love to tinker they love to help each other out and i think you can run a lot more than you i think you'd be surprised how many things you can run through wine basically or even how well um i think a lot of people have been doing stuff like running witcher 3 through crossover even on m1s and stuff like that of course at this point it's a 2015 game but it's still considered like high-end tip-top by a lot of people so um yeah Crossovers we're checking out too. You do have to pay for it, but wine itself is free. If you're a tinkerer, you can just go and tinker. There's this play on Mac thing, which I've tried before. It's kind of in between. It's more of an, a crossover idea, like it's an actual app and supposed to pre-configure stuff for you, but it's it is free, so it's less fully featured, blah blah blah. Um Yeah, um re- regarding the open source thing, I just want to clarify that um while wine itself is an open source project, um so code weavers products are not entirely open source what they right. do with um i forgot the crossover that's the other product so what they do with crossover is that they fork wine they make their own ui which is proprietary and they make tweaks to wine specifically for the targeting platform and optimizing certain things and then they claim that 95 percent of their code goes back upstream into the open source version of wine so they do contribute back to the project they forked it from but not everything that is crossover is open source right that's an excellent um point thank you for clarifying that um crossover is paid uh, but they do have a free trial i think it's two weeks so you can go and check it out they have a silicon version now so you got an m1 or an intel it'll work either way two-week trial and again you can go to their website huge list of games um i think they even added i think at this point back when i was using it they didn't even have DirectX 11 or 11 10 whatever it is they use now past nine uh they only had dx9 support so i could only play dx9 games i believe now they support dx11 um so you can play even more games so that's pretty cool uh, worth checking out if i'm yeah. not mistaken it's actually kind of funny with that dx11 support because what I believe happened, and I'm doing this kind of off memory, so if I'm wrong on the details, don't don't uh, berate me for it. But what I think is happening is actually that they translate from DirectX 11 into Vulkan, and then from Vulkan into Metal. So you go through oh. several hoops there, but performance still seems to be pretty pretty decent. Yeah, that's interesting. Oh, that's that's a funny thing. Um, 
We did have a, uh, actually from Mac Rumors Forum, request to talk about uh, more like Vulcan and a couple other things, but I think we'll have to save that for another episode because this one's already, um, probably should be wrapping it up soon because we're trying to keep our episodes a little shorter even going a bit long. Um, but that is on our minds. We will, maybe maybe when Sam comes back, uh, when he's available, we'll have sort of a more technically podcast on porting and Vulcan and um, basically all these things, uh, APIs, essentially, uh, whether that's Metal or Vulcan or DirectX or whatever. We could kind of have some talk about that. Even even some history would be interesting, uh, OpenGL and so on and so forth. Um, we can have a whole podcast all about that. I think it could be fun. Uh, also, essentially, there's a li- uh, listener request. Uh, wondered, I think even there was someone on IMG forums may have mentioned it as well. That could be interesting. So we can do that. Um, it's kind of related to the subject, but not directly. So, but it's on our minds. Um, the last thing I just want to bring up in terms of this non-native thing is uh, virtualization, which is primarily through parallels. Um, there is also Fusion. I don't even know if at this point they're the same company or different. No, I think they're, they're different companies. The VMware okay. is the company behind Fusion. And right. they do a lot of uh, workstation level and server level infrastructure in general, not just uh, Mac OS Windows support, but they have a whole business um, focusing on, on Linux specifically as well. Right. Um, VMware is actually a pretty big company inside the virtualization space where Parallel is more Mac focused. I see. Thank you for clear- or adding that detail because I was unaware of that. Um, but I think Parallels has more gamey support or at least more pre-config for it because you can choose like why are you installing parallels and windows and i want to play games and it auto configures some stuff for more game based rather than pc you know work apps or whatever it is or um stuff like that so yeah the virtualization is much more used in the work world as far as i know uh all kinds of development and it and things like that um but the support is pretty pretty solid for games once again though like um like wine a AAA game may run great. Uh, Witcher 3 runs great, for example, in Parallels, actually, like, really well. Um, if you have enough resources, it's a resource hog, the virtualization. Um, need a lot of RAM and GPU and everything. But um, I think there's also a Silicon version now for Parallels, and, again, the M, like M1's way overperforming can run things that you wouldn't expect, even virtualized or through crossover. Um, but then I installed some random little indie game, like One Finger Death Punch. It's this funny little side scroller it takes it's all of like 100 megabytes it could probably run on like 20 year old computer not quite but it's like very basic but it wouldn't launch through parallels just gain some random gibberish windows error i have no idea what it means and i'm even pretty good at troubleshooting <laughs> errors and getting games to run and tweaking files and workarounds that i just i just couldn't do it so i'm like this will run it's this tiny indie game of course it'll run and then eh, it errored i'm like darn it so um again your mileage may vary in parallels Again, it's a paid service. Again, they have a trial. I believe it's two weeks. Um, so if you're going to try and dip your toes or dive into these non-native waters, um, there's there's trials for all, almost all of them anyway. Um, GFN's free, Steady isn't, Luna's in beta, whatever. But in terms of crossover or parallels, it's uh, there's all free trials. And of course, Boot Camp is uh, free beyond the price of a Windows license. So... I mean, technically, um, you don't even need a Windows license if you don't want to customize your background and things like that. Yeah. You can, you can right. actually just install Windows without a license right. and play games, and it's t- totally valid. Uh, what you right. will have is a tiny little bit of text in the bottom right corner that says Windows isn't activated. But 
that's it. Right. That's an excellent detail. So boot camps. Yeah, if you don't mind that, it's also basic. And I think it bugs you because I it did bugs you sometimes too. Yeah, yeah. It pops. I, up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It'll it'll pop up. Um, so if you're willing to tolerate those little nuisances or whatever, yeah, you can you can you can do a lot on your Mac. Um, and I think a lot more than you think. So depending on what kind of gamer you are, what you want to explore, if you're unaware of any of these services or options, um, go check them out. Cause it's a pretty big gaming world out there within our Macs, um, beyond just the native space, which we all prefer, but there's tons more games and experiences out there, um, to check and out as well. Two quick comments I have, uh, on things we've sort of brushed over. Uh, one thing is that you mentioned, um, the hassle level or the amount of effort to do something, right? And while it's true that bootcamp does require a full system reboot and that can be a bit annoying and things like that, it is by far the most reliable and hassle-free approach in terms of I just wanted to work when I double-clicked the icon, right? Right. You need to reboot. You need to install Windows fully on your Mac, go through all that hassle. And in, in terms of all that, it's a bigger hassle than crossover when crossover works perfectly but it's not always going to work perfectly and there will be times where you'll need to tinker with a lot of things to get all of these other solutions to work well and bootcamp is just going to work because it is windows running natively on your mac or your mac hardware yeah yeah once you pass the initial hurdle i absolutely agree it's yeah it's just just the reboot time which on an ssd now which practically every computer is i was just going to say yeah so fast (laughs) It's like yeah. 30 seconds in your in Windows, and uh, you can. Uh, what did I do? I just auto logged in your user, so it just just reboot. Zoop, you're just right in your Windows desktop, like yeah. 30 seconds later or whatever. And yeah, like you said, double click, boom, you're opening whatever game. Um, I think the last thing I boot camped was Anthem, now a canceled slash sort of failed game. Back then, it was all the all the rage, and it was really cool, um, and I still had a lot of fun with it, but. Um, yeah, I absolutely agree. That's that's a great point. If you can, if you know, it takes a couple hours usually to partition, install, configure, blah blah blah. Get past that hurdle. Bootcamp is actually like basically the best option if you're willing to deal with that. Yeah. But also another thing is that, um, so we we talked about that sort of um, getting developers on board with native versions, and whether they right. feel the incentive is there if we just bootcamp it anyway. So while I will reboot into windows for games that i care about if i just scroll through the list of new games in steam or something like that and i see something that's mildly interesting maybe i haven't heard about it before but it looks interesting i might want to try it out if it doesn't have a mac os native port i might just go nah i don't want to reboot into windows i have all these <laughs> open windows good point i'll just play something else so there, I still think that there is that, you know, lost market share in that sense. Uh, even if we're willing to reboot into Windows or go through a crossover or whatever for titles we care deeply about, if we are just scrolling through a list and you don't have a Mac version, we might still just pass because it is still more hassle than a native version. Yeah, that's a great point, the accessibility. And I just, I've experienced that recently. I mean, part of it's because I have this backlog and I'm trying not to buy new games, but... <laughs> Every now and then I'll buy a new game anyway because it's something I really like, um, especially if it has a Mac version. But occasionally, like recently, same thing, was scrolling through uh, and this cool like cyberpunk RPG came out, not Cyberpunk 2077. I think it was just called The Ascent. 
yeah, like this top down. And I'm like, this looks really cool. I want to play it. I have to boot camp it. In fact, I don't even have boot camp installed. I was so interested in it. I'm like, I'll install boot camp for this game. It's really cool. And I can then finish my Dishonored 2 playthrough, which I'm halfway through and everything. But then, you know, yeah, I'm busy and this and that. And I have other games already on the Mac side I'm playing. Um, like, uh, I don't know, what am I playing right now? Still finishing Mexo, Metro Exodus. And uh, I was tinkering around with some some other games, Frostpunk and Metropolis and Desperados 3 and blah, blah, blah. So in the end, that accessibility won and I didn't buy the game. It's still on my wish list. <laughs> yeah. But if it, you know, if I already had Bootcamp installed, I'd probably just have, have bought it and be playing it. If it had a Mac version, absolutely, I would have just bought it and already already played it. So. I yeah. basically had the same experience with that game. So they've lost oh. two sales at least on us. Oh. I, I had friends actually text me going, hey, come join us. We're playing the Ascent. And I was like, oh, what's that? And looked it up and ah, I might get this. Oh, no Mac version. <laughs> I don't want to reboot just for this. <laughs> we should, uh, I should uh, tweet the developers when this episode goes live. <laughs> yeah. Two pre-orders sitting here available <laughs> uh port now please thanks port, yeah. yeah port please <laughs> i have to one other thing i want to point out on me too um a lot of the games that i've been doing on the windows side are older ones that i didn't get a chance to play that never did come over to the mac side i mean like i'm playing dead space 3 with my brother we played the uh well, Wolfenstein went young blood together, but those, you know, again, those are older games. And, um, if usually if something new comes out, I will wait to see if there's any news about a Mac version. Cause I agree. It's a lot easier just to click on the game on the Mac rather than do the reboot. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Good point. Uh, not Mac, but shout out to Wolfenstein young blood. I also played that through with a friend and it was, it's a terrible single player game, but it's, oh, it's a terrible really cool game. It's wonderful co op. Yeah. It's designed yes. that way. Yeah. It's, and it's weird how atrociously bad it is single player, but how really solid <laughs> it is co op. It makes no sense, but somehow well, it's true. The AI on the other, uh, the other character is just atrocious. It is. It's when you're playing, when you're, yeah, when you're playing with single, but when you have someone else playing it, the things, they don't do stupid things like go chasing off after something. No, no. <laughs> you know yeah that was a lot fun of fun game fun game for wolfenstein fans and fun fact even though bethesda's entire catalog got pulled from gfn youngblood for some reason is still there i think they must have a um some sort of contract with them because it's also rtx enabled i forgot to mention that for gfn if you pay for the service you also get um ray tracing capable machines for any game that supports it um but if you use the free version you don't so uh, Youngblood is one of those. I think it was basically like a RTX demo, essentially. It's not literally a demo, but like a show. Sorry, not demo. Showcase would be the word. Um, so for some reason, Youngblood's still there. And if you go in GFN and type in RTX, it'll show a list in the search bar. It'll show a list of all RTX supported games, which is which is cool. Um, but yeah, side note on that for for Youngblood, I just wanted to shout it out because I did rather enjoy. It. it has like terrible reviews on Steam. It's like mixed or even negative, but that's because everyone rightfully so expected to be a good single player experience like all the other previous games forever yeah. uh, and this one added multiplayer co-op and everyone's like wtf and this is horrible but it's actually very solid co-op yeah so very solid that. yeah yeah pretty fun and yeah so no no max support but 
it is through GFN. can't be played with RTX if you pay for it. And it does look pretty nice with the RTX on, I got to say. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but that'll uh, that'll wrap us up, up. Wrap us up, gents. Native versus non-native gaming. I think we covered a lot of interesting points. I also really liked Casper's angle on how developers might perceive it, like the Catch-22 chicken and the egg thing. Um, but uh, yeah, good stuff. Good thoughts. Any other closing comments on the subject? No, we're good. We're also at a... We have a lot of good options, but uh, please give us native ports still. Yes. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> like Ted said, ports please. Yes. That's that's the catchphrase for the <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> ports please. Ports please. Yeah. Okay, gents. Appreciate it. Another fantastic episode. Thanks to you guys and thanks for listening, everyone, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. A big thank you to Kevin McLeod for the intro and outro music. Be sure to check out his library on the web. You can find more episodes of our show on our website, MacGameCast.com or in all major podcast directories. If you enjoy the show, please consider commenting, following, or sharing. Thanks again for listening, and see you next time.